The following podcast is a Green Fresh Media production. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Her Healthful. My name's Araste, and thank you for tuning in this week. Today we have another guest episode. I am just really loving them and I just feel like I want to introduce you all to people who really inspire me and I really love following online for example and I really hope you enjoy them as well. I've been meaning to bring this guest on to the pod for a while now but it seemed better with the timing of a very exciting release of hers and you'll find out more in this episode. I'm sure you've heard of it if you follow her, but today I'm talking to Shania Bopa, and she's one of the people I've met online who started off as an online friend, and now we've met a few times in real life, and so it's one of those lovely stories of meeting people online, one of the few things I like to highlight about social media because it's not all doom and gloom, even though there are many parts that I don't like about it. I'm sure you know from my previous episodes. So next week, I am going to be away. I'm going to be traveling. So I don't know if there's going to be an episode next week, but I'm going to try to record before I leave. And we might be on a little break because I don't think I can record two in advance. One is what I'm going to go for. It might be a shorter one, a solo one, but you all love the solo ones and so do I. I created this podcast because I wanted to be more vulnerable and intimate with you all and have these conversations that are more relatable and just what's going on in my mind. So definitely going to have that be the goal. But thank you so much for everybody who's given recommendations for San Fran, which I'm going to first and then I'm going to LA with another online friend who now is going to be a real life friend and we are going to be traveling together and it's so crazy because we've never met in person but i can just feel her energy aligns with mine and i'm so excited they're going to be very two different trips san fran is with my boyfriend and it's going to be great because we haven't traveled together before and then la is just going to be meeting so many people from online and i'm just very excited at the juxtaposition of those two trips i'm gone for probably like almost two weeks and i need a break i really do i'm sure we all can relate this past week has been weird there's been weird energy in the air i think something is in retrograde i can't keep up anymore i saw this really funny meme or tiktok one of those and it was like when none of the planets are in retrograde and it's actually just your mental illness yep safe to say i felt that one and there is no planets for me to blame this on but just been feeling kind of weird and anxious and not as called to create content just right now and i think it's also the vacation prep and i think that when i go through these moods i try my best to acknowledge it and just not make myself feel so guilty but at the same time it's hard when i still want to keep up on social media and i want to show up for you guys i want to create content because i love creating and i love helping and making somebody's day So I'm not really being called to that right now. So you might have been seeing a little bit of a hiatus from me in terms of how much I'm showing up this past week. And if you notice that I say a lot on here that I'm feeling anxious, I deal with anxiety. So that's just a PSA. I'm sure I'm not alone in this. So yeah, I just like to keep it real and tell you when I'm experiencing that because it's so normal and it can happen weeks in a row. It can, you know, go through waves. I don't feel like this all the time, but I do try to at least acknowledge my emotions and feel them 
and not feel guilty about it. Anyways, I didn't mean for this to be a brain dump, but I'm kind of rolling with it. So let's save the rose thorn bud for next week because I'm going to try to do a solo episode before I leave and that'll just be a nice recap. So today's episode with Shania, we talk about literally so much. We talk about her PhD studies because she's also a PhD student, first one on the pod. Hers is in a very different field though. It's in global health and she talks about that, what her mission is, what her driving passion is for doing a PhD and why she's so passionate about health literacy and the importance of it, which was really eye-opening for me. Then we talk about manifestation, her tips for mindfulness, friends, toxic people in our lives. Like we went through it all. I'm really excited for you to listen to this episode. And if you enjoy it, be sure to tag us on Instagram. My handle, I'm sure you know, is at her.healthful and Shania's is at wellness by Shania Bopa. I'll definitely spell out her username in the show notes. So just be sure to check that out. So without further ado, let's get into the episode with Shania. Hi guys, I'm here with Shania Bopa and I'm really hoping I'm pronouncing your last name right. Um, Shania is a wellness content creator who shares content rooted in research, which I love because like I'm in my PhD and so is she. You're my first also PhD student coming on the pod. Um, She's a global health PhD student, which is really like outside of my domain. So I'd love to talk a bit more about that because I'm in psychology and I'm sure there's some overlap. Um, And she's also the co-founder of the GTA-based nonprofit organization, the Canadian Courage Project. So I'm really glad to also call her one of my friends who I connected with online. And now we've hung out a few times in person and we were just talking about how we have to hang out again. I'm so excited to have you on. Thank you for coming or being on Zoom. (laughs) Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for having me. It's it's like I'm just chatting with a friend for the next hour. So it'll be really hopefully a bit insightful and, and fun. Yeah, that's like literally the goal with these conversations. Like I want the listeners to just like, like as if they're just tuning in into a friend conversation and they're hanging out with us. So obviously I gave you a a very brief description of who you are, but there's so much more to go that goes to you. So for those who don't know you, can you give like a little elevator pitch of who you are? And since this is a wellness focused podcast, I'd love for you to also give some insight into your health journey. Well, hi everyone. My name's Shania, and I was actually named after Shania Twain. If you're Canadian, you'll know Shania. She Twain. was my favorite person. <laughs> no, I'm not even like just saying this. I was like thinking about that. I was like, wow, Shania Twain like was my favorite person, like favorite artist growing up. Yeah. And I remember one time I went to the CNE with my parents, and there was like a fake Shania Twain there. Like she was saying <laughs> she was Shania Twain, and she was charging people for pictures. Oh my and god! I literally have a picture with. Her. <laughs> because <laughs> I didn't believe my parents I didn't believe my parents they're like that's not her I'm like that's her and then I look at the picture I'm like that was so not her <laughs> not her no she my parents also loved her very much and um the name actually means on my way in Ojibwe and so they like the meaning and then I was born I'm 23 I'm turning 24 in a month I don't like to describe myself as my job titles or what I do for a living. So I describe myself as I'm a lifelong learner. I'm a sister. I'm a friend. I'm a community, I guess, member. And I (laughs) like to stimulate change in various ways 
while also working to empower the community in whether it's wellness related or uh, social cause and social change. And so that's where kind of, um, I have like three facets of myself, I would say. So lens number one, Shania number one is someone who's in their PhD, is in the PhD in global health specific on community-based research, and I'm analyzing how newly immigrated families with children specifically have access to healthy active living interventions, and then working with family physicians as to how they communicate and break down barriers for uh, this population group. The second side of Shania is I co-founded and I'm director of a nonprofit, and so pretty much what we do is we work with shelters and transition homes and low-income neighborhood after-school programs to offer wellness workshops such as our art and mindfulness, our uh, yoga, and um, a couple other workshops that we have. And we raise money throughout the community and raise awareness as to the fact that, you know, we see on the news that issues exist across the ocean, but we never talk about what happens in our own neighborhood or in our own city. And then the third version of Shania is I wrote a book and it's my first published children's book. It's called Gert and Bianca, The Great Adventure of the Gut Brain Connection on a Path to Mindfulness. And it's just a gentle introduction of a complex health system, but by describing what mindfulness is and how important it is to take care of our mind and our body because everything's interconnected. And in addition to that, I create content, wellness content, but I'm trying to kind of move into the world of like integrating more research into my wellness content because I feel like the morning routine, I've been doing it for a year and I'm like, I need to stimulate some different, different like things. So that's a bit about me. Yeah, no, I love that. You just didn't say your job title and you're like, I'm a grad student. That's me. And I feel like so many people just like your identity is your job. And we're just so much more than our jobs and our careers, like you literally said you're a sister and that's just like so beautiful to pick up on those little things that, you know, make up a big part of your life, but we just don't see it as how we introduce ourselves. Um, I feel like we're both very big on being multifaceted people, given that we're both in our PhDs and we're doing content creation and obviously so many other things on the side. So lots to dig in there. But my first question is what made you want to pursue a PhD? just from another, you know, grad student coming here as well. And also I feel like a lot of listeners have wanted me to go more into my PhD journey. So I thought this might be a good way to see different perspective. Yeah. So my PhD journey, I would say it was something I've always kind of dreamed about, but also something I never thought was in my reach, but also something I saw myself doing at some point in my life, not necessarily at 23. And so for me, my whole life has been dedicated to knowing I wanted to work within health. I didn't know what, I didn't know how, but I just knew health related. And so I honestly dabbled between the ideas of law school, med school, and a PhD. I always knew I wanted to do one of the three. So I wrote my LSATs, I studied for my MCAT, didn't actually end up writing it, um, and applied to a PhD all within my undergrad slash master's uh, like levels. And one of the things that really struck me about a PhD is I love the idea of creating knowledge and not being a knowledge applicator. I think there is such a specific personality type to dedicate their life to creating knowledge and creating solutions and creating uh, new ways of thinking. And 
I see that as like the lens of an innovator or the lens of someone who likes to brainstorm for a living. Um, and so for me, that aligned a bit more so than applying knowledge. If I did go to med medical school or if I did go to law school where you're applying literal textbooks and textbooks of knowledge uh, to support the world and all three of them, such important jobs, we need them. But I also realized I like the idea of my time being split between a bunch of different things. And so throughout undergrad and throughout my master's, I would see some of my mentors or my professors be working on like three different projects at a time and like managing like student projects and managing their classes. And maybe it's just my ADHD, but I love the idea of having a full plate of diverse vegetables and every vegetable gets to change every couple of weeks or every couple of months. Um, and so I, it, was a career path that I feel like allows me that opportunity to work on my leadership skills, but create things that are my own and have that authority over like, this is my project. Like this is my research and I'm so proud of it. I've never been a fan of working for larger companies or like working um, in other roles. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. That's super great to hear like your just like perspective and like what I guess your passion is behind it. And it's so funny because, I mean, I don't know if like, so we have, I think a two or three year difference in age, but I'm at the age and that you might be too, where like all your friends have like, quote unquote, real people jobs, like nine to five, whatever it might be, corporate office jobs. And I'm just like, I've never had a real like full-time job. Like I've literally been student my whole life and obviously like part-time stuff here and there. And I kind of like that, like, because I don't think I've ever fit into that mold of having to like, you know, answer to a boss and like do things that were made up by somebody else and somebody else's policies and just like may not align with your values. And obviously like your boss in your PhD studies is your advisor, but you apply to that advisor, like you chose them and you looked into their research and saw if it aligned with you and if it really piqued your interest. So I like how it's like in your PhD, you're making a lot of your own choices. So you have a lot of agency and like it can be a tiring process for sure, because I think you're more at the beginning of your um, career, your PhD studies, and I'm like almost done. And there's going to be times where you're like, is this worth it? And there's just so much that goes on into it because you've just been in school your whole life. And I'm wondering if you've already felt that, like, have you ever gone through imposter syndrome um, whether it's like in the PhD side of things or even like content creation or like any other um, aspects of your life? Yeah, I think, I think there's a couple things to note here. I think the first thing is that um, the PhD world is unique to both of us. Like there is no right or wrong answer. Like if you genuinely love a nine to five schedule, I'm jealous of you. Like I yeah. would like, <clears throat> dedicate that time every day and be good and exceptional at one thing. Like that is something I wish I was born with. And sadly, I was not. So here I am. But um, in terms of like, imposter syndrome and working towards like, conceptualizing the challenges that I've faced, one of them is ageism. Like, I am constantly looked at at being too young, whether I'm in the PhD world, because I'm five years younger than most of my classmates. And or whether that's in the nonprofit world, being a founder that's 23, like people look at you like, you don't know what you're doing, like you don't know what you're doing until they see the results and then they're in shock and then it's a whole other conversation. But even as a new author now, I'm like so young and mm -hmm. inexperienced. So one thing that I deal with, I think 
honestly, every single day is I feel like I'm behind, but I also feel like I'm where I'm supposed to be. But those two are just voices in my head. And one kind of strategy I've been working on recently to deal with imposter syndrome and deal with the feeling of not being enough is realizing that there's two voices in our head, a little negative voice and a little positive voice. But our inner voices and our inner dialogue is actually crafted by our outer voices and our outer environment. So if you're, and you really have to take time to reflect, if you're surrounding yourself with people and supervisors and bosses that may be a little bit more negative, those voices curate your inner dialogue. And so what I did to kind of help with my internal anxiety was I started and like forcing myself to listen to a one hour, really, really, really positive podcast in the morning, meditating and reading a chapter of a book. That's just like all kind of self-help related. Mm -hmm. Um, but just like creating that positive outer voice forcefully to influence my inner dialogue. Yeah, I think there's so many ways that there can be that outer voice that comes in and seeps in. Like one of them is your advisors and like your school academic uh, community. But then also just like, who are the top three people you hang out with or the top five people you hang out with? Because that ends up being reflected in you. And if you're hanging out with toxic people who are even like putting themselves down, then that can rub off on you. And you're like, well, maybe I should be critical of myself and doing all these things. And there's like a reason why in therapy, a lot of the times you do dig into like your relationship with your parents and all these relationships and like what they told you obviously impacted you growing up. But I think you like really hit it um, on the head there saying that like imposter syndrome comes from, you know, maybe self-limiting beliefs and these um, like negative self-talk cycles that we can get into. And I think with mindfulness, cause I want to get into this too, obviously a lot of your content focuses on that. Um, it helps you like detach from your thoughts so that your thoughts aren't you because feelings aren't facts. And that's something I try to tell myself a lot because no matter how anxious you might feel, no matter how much imposter syndrome you might feel like you may think it's so true because it's like so intense and so vivid, but it's just like, that's, that's not the truth. Like your anxiety is literally lying to you. Um, so you kind of said a few things that have been helping with that, but are there any, any other things that you do in your daily routine that like help you live a more mindful life? Before we go into the daily routine, I want to share something I made. Oh my God. Yeah, do it. <laughs> okay. So I'll try to be as descriptive as possible for anyone listening, but I'm on Zoom right now with Araste and I'm showing her a piece of paper. So just imagine a piece of paper in landscape positioning on your on your table. On the, there's three columns. On the far left, there's your five pillars. And so when you think about pillars, growing up, if you had a character matters assembly and you were you know given the responsibility award or determination or citizenship or optimism, like all of those are the five things you embody and you may be inspired by other people who embody those five pillars and you maybe wanna like brush up or enhance those five qualities qualities of yours. Then on the far right, write 10 people you spend most of your time with, both virtually, physically, emotionally, all of the categories on a, on a list of one to 10. Then your center pillar uh, column is going to be broken up into three rows. Row number one is you're going to order the 10 people you spend most of your time with on the right and look at the five pillars and order them based on if they embody those five pillars. 
Then the center row is people to spend less time with. And this mm-hmm. is no shade, literally no shade. You're just moving them into a different category. They may be a core friend, but they need to be a social friend. Yeah. Maybe a workout friend. Maybe they need to be just a social friend. Um, <laughs> and then at the very bottom, the bottom third row in the center column is people you want to spend more time with that aren't written on your list. So people that you see on Instagram or, or at a conference that you think is so cool and you just want to be their friend because they may be embodying the five pillars that some of your core friends aren't. So that was an exercise that I mm-hmm. did to reorient my time and energy. Right. And the older you get, you're just like, you need to pick how you spend your time and who you spend your time with. Um, I'm going to need you to send a picture of that so I can a probably post in my stories or something, but also like, I want to do that exercise. So for your pillars that you chose, did you choose things that you want to work on yourself or like things that inspire you? Because there's so many different ways you can go about it. The five pillars are five things I appreciate about humans and Mm -hmm. I appreciate within myself so for example one of my five pillars is citizenship and that's Mm -hmm. where I citizenship to me is working on the nonprofit work and working on social issues and working with the community so if I were to date someone they need to embody citizenship because it is such a high priority pillar for me that I'm not compatible with a man or even friends that don't have that aspect of their job or their daily Mm -hmm. So I think it's a mix of like looking within yourself, what do you value about who you are and who you want to be? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, it, like you need a, a balance between those two, because obviously some of the pillars might be just like, like deal breakers. Like I cannot hang out with people who are not like kind, for example, there's a, a lot to say about somebody who's like rude to a server, for example, like there's just like those little things that I'm like, I physically just don't want to hang out with you. And I feel like an exercise like this can just help you pinpoint who those people are. Cause I do give the advice of like, you know, choose who you spend your time with wisely and all of that. But like, sometimes you don't, you can't recognize when people are toxic or not aligned with you until you write it down until you talk about it in therapy, like all these things, it cannot just like stick all in your head because it's just like a mess. And that's what journaling is for. And all of these like great exercises. And I actually, I created the, this exercise because my boyfriend at the, like, well, currently he, he was like, oh, like I, I align with this group of friends, but I don't align with this group of friends. What do I do? And I was like, um, and I just like, didn't know what to say. So I just created this piece of paper and now it's an exercise I do for myself every like couple months. Yeah. I was going to ask you how often you do it. Cause I feel like you need to re- reevaluate every so often, um, as soon as you like you know, hang out with more people, people more like compared to when you did before, you might realize new things like, oh, they don't actually fit with the other pillar that I was talking about. So yeah, that's awesome. I didn't know you made that up. I thought you like found it somewhere. So that's awesome. I'm totally going to use that. I might make a PDF of it. Yeah, that's uh, smart. You should. It's fillable just because I've talked to so many people about it and they're like, can you just make it for me on a piece of paper? And I was like, yeah, just- I won't draw. I'm an awful drawer, but yeah, like an electronic PDF version for sure. Um, Wow. So that was very enlightening other than meditation and other than the things you mentioned, because my last podcast episode was like on mindfulness 101 and just like what it is, how you can be more mindful. And like, if meditation isn't for you, there are other ways to be mindful. Although I say give meditation a shot as daunting as it can be like 
sometimes it's the things that make us most uncomfortable that we need to do more of. So any habits or anything that like you really think work for you? I think quickly story time to just describe mindfulness as to why it is so important and important to me and why I wrote a children's book on it is like I dealed with anxiety and um, I until now undiagnosed ADHD my whole life and I didn't realize how it was affecting my day-to-day my self-perception my schema everything and my sister she literally like love her but it was the summer before second year she would like force me to sit in the car and make me meditate like she would really yeah like she so it was summer before second year I honestly was a mess um I just was in the roughest point of my life and so my family my mom's a naturopath my sister's a physician so they like caught on right away as soon as I moved home from university they made me quit my job and I like moved in with my sister and she like adopted me for like three months and she would make me come to the clinic with her and before I was allowed to step foot in the clinic she'd leave me in the car put on headspace and force me to meditate and during this like three month like session with both my mom and my sister I was also doing CBT but um they they made me like scrap most processed foods, focus on whole foods, Mm -hmm. meditate every morning, every night. Uh, No, I had no alcohol, really reduced processed sugars, um, increased my exercise and did CBT and like just honestly created space in my brain between stressor and reaction. Mm -hmm. And that is the biggest thing mindfulness can do for you. And so on a daily basis in terms of my habits, um, other than meditation, I've been really trying to mindfully eat. And Mm -hmm. Bianca in the children's book talk about this all the time. Just sit down with no technology and eat your food. And also if you're working all day, it's a great time not to be scrolling. It's a great time to just think and reflect and allow that space between the stressor and reaction in your brain and like choosing what you think about. Um, So mindful eating is one of them. I also like technology-free walks. I know Mm -hmm. it might not be the safest depending on where you're living, but if you can just indulge in nature, the world around us is so industrialized now that it doesn't allow us to really like, for example, grounding. There's a whole theory about how walking on the ground with your bare feet is so important and we need our shoes now. (laughs) Um, So definitely two of those habits other than you know, the ones you probably see all the time, like exercise, meditation, um, Mm -hmm. also hobbies. Like I'm trying to be like, be a good cook in terms of making fresh pasta. So mindful hobbies is like, challenge yourself, do something alone without any technology, maybe a bit of background music on, but focus on being mindful. I know that sounds like so counterintuitive, but like, sometimes you do have to choose to be mindful. For sure. And I, I so love that, like what you mentioned, I also mentioned in the last episode, other than the hobby one, but like mindful eating. I don't know if you've ever heard of this tip or anything that like it might help you. Um, so I pretend like if I really actually want to mindfully eat, cause I I'm so notorious for like putting on Netflix or something. Cause at the end of a long day, you're just like, I just want to chill out and watch this, which is totally okay. Some days too. I just want to like point out, we all need those evenings and those days. So I don't think mindfulness is about being hard on yourself because like one of the aspects is being non-judgmental. Um, but I pretend like I'm a food critic and I'm about to rate this meal. So I really want to take in all of the sensory like perceptions of it, like the taste, the smell, like the presentation. And then like 
you really indulge yourself in the whole experience. So, and like, if you want to judge a meal, you really have to pay attention to it. So that's one way that's really been helping me for mindful eating. Um, and then the hobbies is an interesting one because I feel like for both of us, content creation started off as a hobby and it still is in some ways, but I think the more you grow and the more you start working with brands and like it becomes part of your income, that hobby aspect is still like your passion behind things, but it's less so than like, oh, I'm just doing this for literally no reason, just for fun, just for myself. Um, so would you consider content creation a hobby now or do you, you know, like stick to other things like making homemade pasta and um, other mindful um, habits? Yeah, this is a great question. I got in an argument the other day about this. I strongly believe that a hobby is something that you do not monetize because once you monetize, it adds a layer of stress and pressure that you have to deliver X, Y, or Z to a person or mm -hmm. a brand or a company. And so it's funny because I have a habit of monetizing my hobbies Throughout my undergrad, I was a photographer, freelance for like special events and weddings. Then in the summers, I would, I'd started off as a hobby again. Then I started monetizing it. I created picnic boards and boyfriends would contact me and I'd create like a surprise <laughs> picnic for their That's girlfriend. That's so cute. <laughs> um, and that was then a hobby turned monetized and then Instagram. And so it's now work. I enjoy it as work. However, I think a hobby is something that you just feel at peace with. Mm -hmm. And I do feel at peace when I'm recording little videos and creating posts, but there's a layer of feeling like I need to deliver quality content to my followers and to my community because that is what I almost promised that I would mm -hmm. do. It's like a trust thing that I, 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 my followers trust me. And so I feel you like want to show up for them. Yeah. And so if you're do things, you're only showing up for, for yourself. And those are technically hobbies. That's yes. Yeah. I agree. And like, like you said, hobbies can get out of the hobby phase and then it's like no longer a hobby. And I feel like it's those things that I don't know, just like make you forget that you have a phone or just like make you so in the zone where like you get into like a flow state, even though that's mainly used for work stuff, but like can be, I think it can be applied to hobbies too, where you're just like, so into it. You're like perfectly challenged and you're learning something new. And I know both of us love learning new things. So I feel like hobbies are great. I know, I don't know if you watch much, um, Emma Chamberlain on YouTube, but like her YouTubing started off as like a hobby and obviously she's like doing really well right now and I think in one of her podcast episodes she's like I need a hobby like I feel like empty like a part of me feels empty because I'm just doing everything for work and for my audience so then I think she started picking up like drums and she's like I, I I'm so bad at it and like I'm getting a bit better but I'm doing this for nobody I'm just picking up a hobby for the sake of it and I think for the sake of it that like intrinsic motivation is just the most key thing, because then you're not going to be wanting to go forward with it. And, and also it doesn't have to be something that like somebody else does, like really just ask yourself, like, what would be cool to learn? Like, do you want to learn a language? Like, what do you want to do? Um, so that's a great tip. I also, um, I, I feel this way about sports. So growing up, I was competing all the time in like, I did dance and I did every like school sport as well. And mm -hmm. ever since I started university, I got really into the gym. I became a personal trainer, like did all of that, but I love competitions. So this year I, I 
realized I want to be the type of mom one day that does travel on soccer mom (laughs) but also is like super cool and is like yeah you know I just did an Ironman whatever Mm -hmm. super cool every summer but I have to start now I'm 23 if I become a mom in 10 years you know I need to be good at the track. Yeah. <laughs> so that's another, I guess, quote unquote hobby that I'm going to work towards is I am either going to sign up for a mini triathlon or a Ironman and train- Ironmans are freaking intense. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see. If, anyone- like if you do that, I'm going to be so impressed. <laughs> if anyone's listening and you do Ironmans or triathlons, please DM me and send me like a schedule or advice. I know. Yeah, that- I think, have you done like marathons? Just like like running I do I so I did track my whole life Mm. um and I've done like 10k races I've never Mm. done a marathon or half marathon but I don't necessarily love running enough to sign up for a half marathon I prefer like I was a lifeguard growing up so I prefer to have the swimming component of a mini triathlon and right so you're already like pretty well like so you've ran in the past and I'm like you run and then the swimming aspect is kind of okay the last one's biking and I'm like, I do spin at swim classes. <laughs> <laughs> I could do it, but it's actually pretty feasible. Like it's, it's a 750 meter swim, 20 kilometer bike ride and only a 5k run. Okay. Yeah. The 5k run, like I'm not a runner and I think I could do the 5k run, but I think it's the fact that it's like after all the other stuff, yeah. you're like gassed and you're like, well, this is like, it's going to feel like so much more, but I believe in you. And more importantly, if you believe in you, that's the main aspect, which kind of segues into like the next thing I want to touch on because we texted about this, like, or you had mentioned it in one of the um, text conversations, but like all about manifestation and just getting into what your relationship with manifestation is. I know it's a very like woo woo topic that's like thrown around, seen it everywhere, every day, like all the time, but we're obviously science, we have science backgrounds and I don't think there's any reason you can't have a science background and also be spiritual or like believe in these things that, you know, maybe are not like super hard empirically empirical evidence with peer reviewed journal, like all of that stuff. But it's just like, you can have two sides to yourself. So do you believe in manifestation? Has it worked for you? Anything with the topic? (laughs) Okay. I want to give a huge shout out to my dad because he's an OG manifester. He has been talking about manifestation since I was born and since before I was born and it was before it became like trendy in the world. And so growing up, my parents would make us every year for New Year's write down our quote unquote manifestations or like what our goals were for the year. And one, like my dad is the most positive person. If you follow me on Instagram, he texts me every morning a quote about just like believing in yourself and dreaming about the life that you want and dreaming about the things that you think are out of reach, but really reducing those limiting beliefs. So my family, that's so cute. You have like a free texting subscription from your family member. (laughs) My family is very like into that. And they've always Mm. been, I was raised. And I think that's why I was raised a bit fearless. Mm. I don't say I have much fear. Um, I really love the idea of failing because I don't believe in failure. I believe it's the act of trying. And so I think that goes hand in hand with manifesting is like, if you keep shooting for the moon, you're just getting closer and closer every time. And so with manifestations, I really do believe it's a a mix of actually practicing and working towards those goals. Like you can't just say, I want a million dollars and like never buy a lottery ticket, you know? Yeah. It's not wishes. I mean, it is wishes, but you need to put the hard work in. Yeah. 
I do believe too in energy. Mm -hmm. Like my mom always says words have waves. So are you ever in that moment where you're like talking about someone and then they text you and you're like, Oh my God, I just thought about you. Um, I know that literally happened the other day. And I was just like, that is trippy, but it's happened more often than I know. And like, yeah, it's definitely, there's something there. Yeah. I think there's something there. And I think there's something to say with, um, manifestation also, I believe inhibits confidence. So manifesting. So thinking about, I really want this job. I'm going to work really hard to get this job. You get a job interview. You are more likely to go into that job interview, confident, sure of yourself, well-researched on what the company is because you've been thinking about this quote unquote manifestation for a year. So I don't necessarily think manifestation will work at the snap of your fingertips, but I think it really helps with our self-perception, where we perceive our limitations are, where we perceive our dreams lay and how Mm -hmm. we should get there. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what my parents kind of raised me on in regards to manifestations. My dad does say, and I have never done this one, but maybe I should, but he's like, write down your like five main things you really want to happen this year and have the piece of paper next to your bed and read it before you go to bed and read it when you wake up in the morning. And it Mm -hmm. reaffirms where you need to move that year. Right. Because it's like a daily reminder of like the smaller steps you might have to take to achieve that big, big goal, because like big goals can be so daunting. And I feel like a part of manifestation that might seem like, oh, it doesn't really work is because like people dream of such big things. But after you've, you know, written it or said it out loud or anything like that, I think the most useful thing for me is like breaking down a huge goal into like smaller steps working backwards from a timeline. Like if I actually want to achieve this by December, like what do I have to do now in February to like get there? Yeah. And that can be something like school related. Like your manifestations don't have to be these like dreamy things we always see on the Instagram. Yeah. They don't have to be like, I'm going to lose 10 pounds or they don't have to be like, I'm going to drink a green smoothie every morning. Like Mm -hmm. they can be, but they also don't have to be, you have to move to LA or New York because it's super in trend right now. Mm-hmm. But also it's always been a trend I think it's just so 100% we'll find yeah. it. like it can be small things like I really want to get an A this semester in a class like that's a manifestation it's yeah. a goal it's something you can think and create into your existence mm-hmm. it can even be something like like improving your self-confidence or like your relationship with yourself like these things that are maybe not like an event like moving or like getting a grade, but it's like by the summer, by the end of the year, like I want to be a bit more confident in like how I feel. And I feel like if, if you, we do what your dad said to do and like reading those every day, you can also translate those into affirmations that like can then help build that confidence. Um, so yeah, manifestations are really interesting because yeah, I didn't grow up with like a household that had you know that environment um where I grew up with it so I feel like for me most of it was through social media and through all of this um like the trend of it and just like it's such a buzzword now so are you like just because I'm trying to learn more about it do you like make yours very specific because people say like make it as specific as you can because you know it's it's better like you know like what people say about all these things even if they're not experts so I don't think there's like quote-unquote you know, a correct way to do it, but just in your experience, does that, do you find that helpful? Yeah. I think for me, I'm a really logical person. And so my logical brain with manifestation is write down really tangible, specific goals. Yeah. 
And um, I also have like a wish list. So for example, like at the beginning of the year, I write a like one page list of all the things I want in my lifetime. So I think really large scale. And then I do like a micro list mm-hmm. and I do a list of things I want this year. And then I do a even micro micro list of everything I want in six months. And the six months goal is like literally like finishing phase one of my thesis, like very, I guess, quote unquote, small goals, but it just reaffirms where you're headed and where you want to go and sending good energy that way. Yeah, no, it's so true. And I think another key aspect is also like whether a manifestation comes true or like you've accomplished whatever, like we should take some time to celebrate those accomplishments because I feel like every time we do, we're like, okay, on to the next thing. Like what's next on my list? Um, I did this and we have a habit of downplaying what we've achieved and we're just in such a hustle culture that it's like, okay, like now I want to just do more, be more like all of these things. So I think it's, it's helpful to be mindful of what you achieve and just like give yourself a pat on the back, take a break. Like if you need it, Um, I feel like we don't do that often enough. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think also like wake up and choose to be happy. Choose joy. My mom says it all the time. Like she's like, Shania, choose joy. And ever since I've been choosing joy in the last year, I've been more joyful and like happy and pleased. Yeah, for sure. And I think there are a lot of like ways to help you cultivate that joy and happiness that like, like your environment, like we've been talking about who you hang out with, all of these things come into that choosing joy aspect because you have to curate, you know, your environment, your lifestyle, like all of these things that you went through when your mom and sister were helping you out. I'm sure that made like such a huge difference. And now um, it seems like these are like habits that are part of your lifestyle. So it's not like you have to think as hard about it. Like, should I go to the gym today? Like you just do it because you know, it's going to make you feel good. Yeah. So I want to talk about your book and how the release has been going and like the process of that, because I just want you to like, I don't know, own that achievement (laughs) and share it with people who are listening. Oh my gosh. I want to show you. (laughs) This is Girk and Bianca. The brain on the path to mindfulness. And like, this is my little nephew, Ian. So for anyone listening, I'm showing me the book. Yeah. Um, and this book so this is another thing I kind of realized is I'm excited I'm happy it's like my first book ever and I hope to maybe be in Scholastic one day with like the rest of my books that I write um but Girk and Bianca it's the first there's a couple reasons I wrote the book reason number one is learning about the gut-brain connection obviously there is so much more research to be done it's in the very early stages yeah um Again, there are a lot of homeopathic and naturopathic routines that are advertised on the internet, but unless it's evidence-based, like, I think that's one key important thing we need to remember here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Girk and Bianca, they go through a series of events because they're human, which actually was drawn after my little nephew, Ian, is feeling a little sick. He comes home from school and he has a tummy ache. And so they go through so many things to make him feel better. They first rule out and making sure it's like not an appendicitis or anything. So they rule out if it's like a specific pain and then they give him colorful soup. They give him his special juice. They take him on a walk. They 
take him to the park to play with his peers and promote social wellness and nothing's working until his mom comes home and his mom's a physician and was drawn after my sister uh, and shares with him that being mindful about his daily emotions can actually help him understand why he may be feeling a tummy ache. Mm -hmm. And so connecting the dots that, you know, and in the book, this is so TMI, but we're, you know, we're breaking down the barriers in regards to talking about poop, but they, he, she talks about the Lucy poops you have before presentations when you're nervous mm -hmm. or like the sad tears and the jealousy that you feel that makes your stomach really grumble. Um, all of those things, we felt it, you know, that butterfly effect that we feel in our tummies when we're like, is this the right thing to do? Um, mm -hmm. That's a gut feeling. And so she kind of just talks about how being mindful and incorporating things like daily walks, technology-free walks, meditation, uh, she also does a body scan with human and a body scan. If you don't know what that is, or you're interested in learning more, it's pretty much understanding from your nose to your toes, how to really align yourself with how your body's feeling. Mm -hmm. And so a little bit of guidance there. Um, but this book was created for the purpose of the fact that I want to fill a gap. There's no book that discusses a complex health system, like the gut brain connection in such simple, like very, very gentle ways that a child might not be, even be recognizing that they're learning about the gut-brain connection. They're just like being introduced to their brain, Bianca, and their gut, gut, and starting to create those connections with just how our body and our systems don't work in isolation. Our organs don't work in isolation. Everything's interconnected. And the second reason I wrote the book, I it's a personal thing. I wish I had a book like this. I think it would have changed my life as a child. The gut-brain connection changed my life and my mental health and my overall well-being. Um, and I think it's funny because I think every like health issue I have, I'm going to create into a book. Like I had kidney stones last year and I automatically named my kidney Mr. Kid. And I'm like, <laughs> should I write about how we should take care of my kidneys? Because until I got a kidney stone, no one ever told me that if you don't drink enough water, or if you like take too many supplements and all those things can cause kidney stones in someone who's literally 23. Yeah. Wow. I remember you going through that too. And I was just like, I don't know, like maybe you're too stressed. Like I, I literally didn't have knowledge about it myself. And mm -hmm. it's just like for this first book, like the gut brain connection, so interesting, so cool. Like there's literally a nerve that connects both of them, um, the vagus nerve. And I just think I wasn't introduced to the gut brain connection until like undergrad, maybe like, and just like through researching of my own, it wasn't necessarily taught in my classes, even though I took like a lot of sciencey courses, it might've been in some of my psych courses, but it's just like awareness around it. And starting from a young age, it can help children pick up on subtle cues that they might not have like realized before. And I think those small changes in awareness it can make really drastic differences like growing up because I look back on like even like in my undergrad in high school, I don't remember if I was ever bloated. Like, did I just not realize that I was bloated from drinking? Like, or was I just not aware that I was like I had I didn't have the um, interoception that I have now, which is like crazy because I was just never taught to like pay attention to how your body feels after you eat things and like, you know, all of these things that you're book is trying to promote. So yeah, awareness from such a young age. I love it. And I'm so excited for you. Thank you. And I think like a key thing here for anyone listening at whatever age you are at, 
health literacy is the most important thing. How we read information, how we read up Instagram post versus a news article that's regarding wellness, how we take that information, understand how to conceptualize and then apply that knowledge to our own life or, you know, adjust our habits or introduce a new habit. It's all based on health literacy. And so I think a core pillar of human nature is just if we want to improve health, we want to improve health literacy because we are receiving information at the speed of light now with the internet. And if people and children don't know how to distinguish between evidence-based articles and not evidence-based articles and how to even read a research or scientific paper, that's a problem. And, you know, we see a lot of patients going into clinic and leaving and apparent, I think the stats, like they actually were like individuals remember 15% of what their physician told them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if they're, you know, if your health literacy is there and you know exactly what to search up on the internet when you get home, we're a healthier population. Yeah. I'm always just like when I'm, you know, TAing a class or anything, like a lot of the undergrads, you have to be taught how to tell whether this is a good article, whether it's, you know, trustworthy and even if you're like younger than that, you're probably more vulnerable and susceptible to believing really like harmful messages from quote unquote experts on Instagram. And then that can lead to like your health actually being damaged. Uh, I'm thinking of like eating disorders, for example, or just anything that has to do within the nutrition and diet space. It's probably one of the most like shaky spaces because people like don't fully trust the field, but like, I feel like they're trying so hard to like finally bring in the evidence and everything, but people need to regain that trust. And I, yeah, really like respect that you're trying to build that trust because people from a young age need to, like I said, build that awareness. And yeah, I think just being able to recognize and be critical. Like, I think the critical part is really key, like not believing everything you read and doing that extra research. Like everybody says, do your research, but actually do your research. And like not knowing how to do the research is, is the missing piece, right? Because nobody, people don't know what that means. Like, is it just Googling? Like, no, it's one step further. You have to go on like Google scholar, for example, or something a little bit more deeper. Um, yeah, I could talk about this for a while because obviously (laughs) this is like one identity of mine as well. Um, but I love it. And I'm just like, so excited. And I think that it's going to be really amazing. I feel like you said what it's like top in the top 13 or something. It was on launch day, top 15 in on Amazon Canada for children's books in schools. Um, mm. But I do want to say the top 13 were JK Rowling um, or Rowling. And yeah. I was like, damn it, like I'm gonna <laughs> meet all 13 of JK yeah. Rowling. But I'm happy. I guess we're going to consider I'm like top two after JK. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like, that's a huge accomplishment. That's so amazing. Um, thank you so much for coming on before we end. I like to end episodes with like a bit more lighthearted questions, just like rapid fire. Let's just like get to know you a little bit more. So first question, I feel like I asked this one to everyone. Um, what is your sun moon rising astrology signs? If you know them, I know a lot of people just know the sun, so that's okay too. I'm a Pisces, Pisces Sagittarius. So you're rising a Sagittarius. Mm-hmm. Nice. So my son is Sagittarius. So Pisces water, what, go with the flow. Is that what it is? It's yeah. you go with the flow. You're creative. You're kind of like spacey, <laughs> 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 um, but you are, are pretty like dedicated and motivated. Mm. I can see that in you for sure. Apparently um, stubborn, but apparently they're stubborn. 
apparently. Yeah. I don't think so, but I feel like you can like look at it as like stubborn or like dedicated. <laughs> <laughs> like you're really, I feel like you are really dedicated to like your causes and like all of these different passion projects. Mm-hmm. Um, next question. I feel like you answered this, but we can do it again. One thing you do every day that benefits your mental health. Meditation. Go download Calm or Headspace. This is not sponsored. Yeah. I think even YouTube, like there's free resources. Like if you can't, I don't think you have to pay for meditation, but like I think Calm has like a free library or whatever. Um, it can be little as one minute. Like you can start really, really small. I find that the more I do it, the more I'm like, I need a few more minutes to get into this. Cause like sometimes five minutes, you're not fully in it. And you're like, I just got past the distractions. Like I just, and then it's like, okay, meditation done. (laughs) Um, Okay. Next question. What's your ideal Friday night? Am I burnt out or am I not burnt out? Not burnt out. Not burnt out. I end working at like 6 p.m., And I get dressed up and I go eat tacos with my girlfriends and we just chat and we have margaritas and we come back and either play some games or like have a nice wholesome discussion over dinner, whether we went out for dinner or we have take home at dinner. And I love just like hanging out with my girlfriends at home. Mm -hmm. So me, you, Noam and Haley have to make this happen ASAP. I'm so on board with tacos and margaritas. Like fast food. Um, yeah, I love that. And like, if you were burnt out, what would it be just like staying in and, or working more? If I was burnt out, I would like to stay in by myself. I think when I'm Mm -hmm. burnt out, I really need alone time to just like figure out my life. Um, whether that be taking that extra time to do laundry and like watch a show while I'm doing laundry, like taking care of myself and actively doing self-care because there's Mm -hmm. self-care and then there's active self-care Yeah, and really being active with my self-care during that time. Yeah. I totally feel that, but I think you're like, you come off as more extroverted. Am I right in saying that? Yeah. But I think like nobody's fully hundred percent extroverted. Like we all need time to ourselves And I think just like social, anything, even if it's like with one friend you love hanging out with is just exhausting sometimes if you have a full plate from the rest of your week. Um, So I'm with you on that. Next question. um, What's your word for 2022 or like a mantra or something? Dramatic pause. (laughs) I have no idea, but I think my word would be open-minded I think as I'm aging, I'm being a bit more close-minded in terms of opportunities, whether professionally, socially, et cetera, being open-minded and appreciating individuals with grace. I love that. That's great because especially with, I don't know, just so many restrictions with the pandemic and stuff, it, it has literally made us experience less things. So opening the world back up and like getting back out there, I think we have to kind of rewire our brains to be a little bit more open and say yes to more things. I'm sure a lot of us are eager to do those things, but just like having that reminder is so important. Um, Last question. I ask this to every guest. What does health mean to you? Health means balance. My book has a quote that says wellness is balance and balance is wellness. So I think for me, health means feeling my best and feeling at peace and feeling my honest, joyful self absorbing my environment. If I don't feel like I have the time or capacity to absorb what I'm doing, then that's not health for me. That means I'm overworking myself or I'm overloading my calendar. 
Yeah. And I can fully see how you've like kind of put a mindful aspect to health in there. Cause that's part of the definition of mindfulness. So I, I love that. Yeah. That's a beautiful definition. Um, so thank you so much for coming on for people who don't follow you, um, or heard about your book or anything. I know you mentioned the title, but if you just want to like give a list of everything for people to follow and check out. Yes. My Instagram is at well by Shania Bopa. So my first name is S-H-A-N-I-A, last name B-H-O-P-A. My TikTok is just at well by Shania. My book is Girk and Bianca. So if you go into my Instagram or my TikTok, you'll see the link in my bio. And if you want to connect professionally, my first and last name on LinkedIn. Perfect. Love the little LinkedIn plug at the end. Nobody's done that yet. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I think it's because I like you and I both have that like professional side of life. Like we're not full-time wellness creators yet. Yeah. So you need to like, yeah, like you said before, like with your identity, there's so many different aspects. So got to put the plug in for that too. (laughs) I feel like you need a podcast one day. I do one for the school, but I want to quit. Oh, really? <laughs> there's some tea there. Yeah, there's some tea. Don't tell anyone. I'm think. I'm think. Well, we're, we'll talk about this another, another time. Yeah. yeah, I started the Global Health Collective, and I pretty much interview like academics and people mm. in the space. Um, I think I don't have the touch, honestly, time capacity to fuel it as a passion anymore. I used to. Yeah, Um, you can see that's where it's kind of like lingering now and we'll see how it develops over the next year. But yeah, I'll tell you the tea later. (laughs) Yeah. Tell me later. I think just, I don't know, from my experience, just talking to you and stuff like you're, you have a lot of thoughts and I feel like you're really well articulate. Um, And also you're doing your PhD. There's just like so much you can say in an Instagram post or a TikTok or a story that I feel like podcasts are a great outlet to just like ramble even I feel like my solo episodes are the ones that people love the most because it's just like what's going on in your brain today (laughs) I love it I I can totally see you doing it yeah I love your solo episodes thank you I love guest ones too because I then I get to talk to people like you and it's just it's great to have my listeners you know be exposed to people maybe they wouldn't have heard of before so I love just like the mix of both Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And for everyone listening, have a mindful day. (laughs) I think I know maybe what the podcast title will be. So (laughs) we'll see. But yeah, thank you all for listening. Um, Might be a solo app next week. Might not because I'm traveling. But yeah, we'll see. So thanks again, Shania. And hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Shania.